open your Bibles up now to Luke chapter 4, verse, hmm, let's start in verse 36, that's where we ended last week. And I really want you to get this. I'm going to read a little bit. I want you just to get fired up about Jesus Christ, about the Bible, and about life. Okay, life is very real. It's happening right now. And Jesus Christ, who is God, came to the earth and lived as a man and experienced everything you'll ever experience, everything, in order that you could relate to him, that you could go to church on a Sunday, hear a sermon, and then take it with you throughout the week. And so we're going to look at what Jesus did at church Makes sense because you're at church. But then Jesus left church. How many of you guys plan on leaving church this morning? The rest of you are going to get kicked out if you don't, okay? You're, you, you're all leaving, okay? No one's staying here. Don't leave early either. We'll lock the doors. But listen, you're here. I'm here too. And I love church. I love listening. I love hearing sermons. I love music. And I love what happens to the fellowship. I love it. It's awesome. As a matter of fact, I have three kids, and they wish they could go to all three services. They love church but nobody lives here, okay? We don't live here. You got a house to go to or a car or a condo or a tent or you're going somewhere. And then you also got places to go work. You're not gonna stay here all day. You're gonna go places. Jesus did the exact same thing. You see, there is this misnomer, listen, that there is what is called the holy and the unholy. There's church times where we sing a song and we learn the Bible and then we go do our stuff and we listen to other stuff and we're other beings. It's called the holy and the secular, that which is done with God, for God, by God, to God, and that which is done by me, for me, to me, and with me. There's this misnomer. I say it's a misnomer because there's no separation. You probably have one, so do I occasionally. I'm at church. I got to smile. I got to be nice. I got to listen. I got to be happy. And all that happens because it's real. But then if I'm outside these doors, I can turn it off. Or things can get weird and wacky outside these doors. Has that ever happened to you? Has the weird ever followed you out the door? I'm not talking about your spouse. Okay, I'm talking, <laughs> just talking about life, man. And the misnomer is, I'm here to be religious and spiritual and heavy and all that. Listen, and then I'm going to go out there and whew, whew, live my life. Jesus, our model. Our example, our teacher, went to church, and it got rowdy. Demons crying out, people yelling at him. The last church service we studied, they grabbed him by the scruff of his SBC hoodie robe, brought him outside to the top of a mountain, and tried to kill him. I mean, that's a pretty ragged church service. It's a rough go. So the very next Sabbath, he goes to another church. (laughs) You You ever got kicked out of a church before? You just go to another one. It's easy. Jesus did it. Jesus goes to the next church, and in the middle of his teaching, demons are yelling at him. People are standing up with unclean spirits, heckling him. I've been to services like that. So Jesus deals with that guy and sets him free, all kinds of stuff. And then Jesus leaves, though. And that's kind of the point I want you to grasp onto at the beginning of the sermon this morning. Jesus leaves, and you'll leave too, I promise. I'll end on time. But what's it like on the outside? I guess the main question is this, is do you take Jesus with you? See, the misnomer is, is I went to church, got my stuff, got my, I took communion, I did whatever, and the, the whole religious community in our world does this. I don't think it happens at South Beach as much because you guys are getting it. You're, you're understanding that this is, this is where we get fired up and where we get healed and edified and built up and equipped, and then we go out there and we take it all with us. But there's a huge community that doesn't understand the spirituality beyond this time we have. Now, again, in this environment here, it's 
it's framed in and it's crafted and cultivated to be highly spiritual, right? I asked you to stand up, I asked you to sit down, you closed your eyes, some people raised hands to the music. It's just, ooh, it's just, it's all protected to be spiritual. We make that. We're gonna turn the lights down in a minute and take communion and, and do everything we can to help you be spiritual. I find it a lot more difficult to be spiritual at Fred Meyer's, though, later on. You know what I'm saying? Or Kokomoka Joe's throughout the week, or at the city clerk's when you're filing paperwork, or when you're doing stuff. It's just difficult. There's no framework for spirituality. As a matter of fact, I was at the Performing Arts Center uh, this last weekend watching my daughter and her performances, and she, she was the best, by the way, of all the, do- all the girls. <laughs> five years old, she was the best. But I was watching, and at the very beginning, the lady comes out and gives her opening welcoming announcements. And I was just waiting. I'm such a church guy. I was waiting for her to start the whole thing with prayer. You know, let's just pray now. And she never prayed because that's not a spiritual environment. Now, I prayed for my daughter the whole time. But anyways, my point is, there seems to be, and can be, if you're not careful, a disconnect to the spiritual, which we're doing now. You got Bibles you're going to read, and then the unspiritual, There's no such thing, okay, as the unspiritual. No such thing. What you would categorize as the unspiritual is just the spiritual done poorly, okay? You're always spiritual beings. Matter of fact, your body, mind, and spirit. There is no way you can actually turn off your spirit and say, well, I'm just going to not do spiritual things right now, okay? It would be like saying, you know what? I I love breathing, and it's pretty legit, but I'm going to spend tomorrow just not breathing, Okay? I know I'm a breathing being. I don't even think about it. I'm, I'm so, such a breather, I don't even consider that I'm breathing at any given moment. So too in your spirit. You probably don't consider how spiritual you really are at any given time. Here you are. I'm asking you to. I'm a spiritual being. Oh, the Lord. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. All of a sudden, your spirit, which has been spiritual the whole time, starts to feel better and grow, and you feel your heart beating faster, and the Lord's dealing with you as he does me. Then you go to Walmart. Okay, or Starbucks, or as in the story here, you go home. You go home right from church. And when you go home, ah, take the spirituality off, set it down for a while. Just like if you were to stop breathing, you would actually not live well. Here's the point. Jesus goes home after church. He goes to Peter's house. And when he gets to Peter's house, things get a little wild. As a matter of fact, he gets there and there's sick people in the house. Peter's wife's mom is sick. She's got a temperature, so much so in the Greek it indicates that if it keeps rising in that day, she's done. She's going to die. And oftentimes, let's just be honest, every time, you leave a spiritual moment into an unspiritual moment, there's no such thing, oftentimes temperatures rise. Oftentimes things begin to heat up. How many, don't raise your hand, moms and dads, but how many times have you left church just amazed by God, touched by his spirit, only to get in the car, and as you're driving home, see if you can actually reach your kids this time. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, just, I'm going to reach you one of these days, you know. I've never done that. And you, just, you get in the flesh, you're like, what happened? Like, I just, oh, Lord, you're, whole, you're welcome here, and you get out, and all of a sudden, there's demons driving on the road, okay? And it's a video game. I've got to take them out. And whatever the case is for you, here, I can guarantee you this. It's going to be easier, because we're going to cultivate and frame it in to seek God here. Okay, it's going to be easier. You're going to feel prone to spirituality, and you're going to feel invited to cry and to worship and to be sensitive. <laughs> get Get out in the real world, though. What are you going to do? Where are you, how are you going to bring Jesus into that environment? How are you going to bring him with you? You have to do it. 
As a matter of fact, if your home is very hot right now and the temperatures are rising or very sick or your marriage or your parenting or your job and you love church, man, like me, but work is hell on earth or your marriage is falling apart or whatever the case is and you just go, I can't wait to get back to church. Listen, maybe it's that God wants you to take what you know and take Jesus with you home and allow him to then heal that which is going on around you. Just process this with me because you're gonna get into sermon mode in a few minutes and forget everything I say. So I want you to get this. There is no such thing as spiritual and unspiritual. It's just spiritual doing well, producing life in a moment like this or at your home when you're reading. Or it's spiritual producing bad fruit when you forget the battle. Just on Thursday or Friday, I think it was, I spent a lot of time studying, my version of studying. I was at Starbucks (laughs) reading. And I just was needing some help getting into the text. And so I went to the internet and I typed in that song we just sang, Holy Mountain, or I Climb Your Mountain, whatever. And I typed it in and I hit play on the very first video that came up. And it was by this group called Worship Mob. Okay, it's a bunch of people that just get together and worship. But anyways, long story short, I'm sitting there at Starbucks, headphones on, in the corner there, with my computer and my Bible, watching this group of people worship. And I began to worship in my heart with them. Next thing I know, I'm at Starbucks. It's like 11 in the morning and I'm crying in the corner. Me and the Lord are having just this moment. I'm just like, man, I'm looking so weird over here crying. People can't see what's on my computer screen thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. And here I am. What was I doing? There with Jesus. I brought him to Starbucks with me. Matter of fact, I text a friend at that point. He's like, where are you? I said, St. B. He said, what's St. B? He said, St. Bucks. It's the church of coffee people, you know. St. Saint, Saint Bucks is where Jesus meets. And... The, the, I'm going I'm to do a lot of teaching, and we're gonna, you're going to lose some stuff. So I want you to get the basic concept today. You've got to take Jesus with you everywhere you go. I look forward to every Sunday. It's, power, it's powerful. It's powerful. The Bible says that God honors the gathering of the saints. He shows up, and he does stuff. Don't ever miss a Sunday. Don't ever miss a gathering. God's there doing stuff. He, he honors that. I, lo- I love it. But do not wait until the Sunday okay, to bring Jesus into your life. Do not wait. Do press in. Grab him on on your flight home, on your drive to work, in your deal that you're struggling with, in all the areas of your life. That's why I love the Bible. Okay, a lot of people have read the Bible and thought, well, that's a weird book. That don't make no dang sense. No application, no understanding. Listen, we're studying Jesus Christ on earth, and he did exactly what you do. He went to church, had friends, went to their house, went to work, did stuff, had responsibilities, lived in public, prayed in private, all the things that you and I are to do. So there's great application. I'm gonna read, pray, and then get into some more preaching. Hopefully you're understanding what's happening. Look at verse 36. It says, then they were all amazed and they spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. This is at church. This is what was happening. Church got over and I was like, man, that was so legit. Did you get a CD? Did the band sign it? Did the elders pray for you? Did you worship? They're just fired up. Jesus is doing stuff. Did you get a hoodie? A Jesus is real hoodie? When are they gonna get the hats back, man? I need a sticker. People are freaking out. Getting ready to leave church. This is so legit. And the word about Jesus and this guy had been healed is going out. It's the same stuff happening here. We use all kinds of platforms to expedite the name of Jesus, can okay, I make sure that you have a way of just tangibly applying that to your car? You can put an SBC sticker. If you put an SBC sticker on your car, try and drive nice, just the simple rules, you know? 
Nemo challenged me. I recently got a new Tahoe, new to me, 2008. And Nemo said, Dad, have you put a sticker on your car yet? I said, no, not yet, son. He said, you should put one on soon. I said, okay, son, I will put one on. And right now I'm just enjoying it. Anyways, well, there's ways that you can take Jesus with you. The fame of this guy, Jesus, is spreading throughout. Now look at the next verse, and then I'm going to pray, and then, we're going to, then I'm going to preach. Verse 38, now he arose from the synagogue. That's church. He leaves church. The church is over. It's done. Time to go home. Okay, now the unspiritual stuff. Now the normal stuff. Can't wait till next Sunday. I have a lot of you guys leave the nine and come back at the six because you become so unspiritual in the break. You have to come back and, you know, woo, got to get back there, double dip. Jesus leaves. He rises. And then he enters Simon's house. Oh, Peter, Simon Peter. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served him. Now, that's only two verses that detail this event. Let me just, as a preacher, tell you this was a big deal. You preach all day in church, pray for people, cast out the darkness, go home. There's more fires brewing, more temperatures rising. And if any of you are doing spirituality, you know that sometimes you just want to, I don't want to do anything. Oh, you're sick? Oh, how many guys remember those times when your kids wake up at two in the morning sick? You know, you're like, just plug your ears, man. They'll be fine. You know, I'm just, you, know you gotta get into it. You gotta deal with it. Jesus shows up. Oh, more ministry. Two verses are dedicated. This must, I don't know how this went. Jesus stood over her. And the, the spirit of infirmity, the sickness, it doesn't say it was a demon, but regardless, Jesus had authority over that sickness and it left her. She immediately arose from a high fever and began to serve. We'll talk about that. Now, this is the Sabbath day. It's Saturday, okay? It's Saturday night. Friday night begins the Sabbath, okay? There's no work allowed on the Sabbath. Friday night, sundown, oh, don't work. As a matter of fact, so strict were they that you couldn't even wear your dentures on Friday night because you would be guilty of carrying a load, you couldn't spit on the ground from Friday night to Saturday night because it would make clay. And clay is the building block material for building stuff. And you couldn't, all this stuff, if things, you, oh, Sabbath day, can't. And they had all these rules, okay, wrong. The Bible says to rest on the Sabbath, not out of legalization, not out of law, but out of great joy. So keep your dentures in, you're fine. Anyways. <laughs> Look at verse 40. I just want you to catch this. This is, this is in, in, insane to me. When the sun was setting, okay, Saturday night, Sabbath is over. Now they can put dentures in and walk and work and do stuff. All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew he was the Christ. Stop right there, eyes up here. Preach all day. Go home to Peter's house, maybe a little barbecue. Well, guess what? The, the host of the home is down sick. Okay, there's no food. She actually needs your continued ministry, Jesus. Okay, so he prays for her. She begins to serve them. Oh, the sun's setting. Knock, knock, knock. Who's here? The whole town. Oh, are they here to like, you know, have a good time? No, they're very needy. Every sick person, every demonized person, every broken person's here. And Jesus is like, oh, whew, all right, brew, brew some coffee there, Pete. You know, we're going to need it. And he walks out and lays hands on every single one of them. And even the demons that leave, leave with a little bit of a blabber jaw. And Jesus is rebuking them and controlling them. Now, here's the point I want you to see. And I'm going to try and rip through this in a way that you can apply. Look at verse 42. I want you to see the whole context here. Now, when it was day, how do you think Jesus slept that night? 
<laughs> like a baby, you know. But when it was day, the Gospel of Mark, contemporary, writing the same story, says before sunrise, a great while before sunrise, dark time, darken hours. Now, when it was day, verse 42, he departed and he went into a deserted place. Stop right there, eyes up here. Jesus wakes up before everyone else. I could see him sleeping in longer than everyone else. That's what I would vote for. Pancakes on the griddle, turkey sausage, no bacon for Jesus. You'll get that later. <laughs> Instead, Jesus, Jesus wakes up super duper early. Why? To go to a deserted place. Most commentators say he went to Mount Arbel. Mount Arbel overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Been there a couple times. This real high, lofty, rock place to seek the Lord. And he would hide himself there in the, in the cliffs and pray. Jesus, the Son of God, God himself. Pray. Because life was taxing and difficult. And he was a leader and a healer and a preacher. And in order to be a mover and a shaker and a doer, you've got to also be one who is contemplative and thinking and retreating and resting. You have to do both. As a matter of fact, in your life, you must be doing something for Jesus right now. Something for the kingdom of God. Think about it. He made you in his image to serve the light, not the darkness. Every one of you. All of you. This is your call today. You have to be doing something, but all of you equally have to be retreating and resting in the tabernacle of his presence. You must be doing both. There are people like me, doers and movers and crazy people who have a hard time resting and retreating. I would rather do, 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 go, 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 be, be. I would just love to do that. Then there are others, contemplative thinkers, who actually have trouble doing anything. You, you just think and you write and you blog and you consider and you analyze and you have analysis paralysis. Uh. And for guys like me, if I don't retreat, if I don't rest, and this is a mark against me, you could pray for your pastor. This is, I'm reading this right now because this is what I need. I need to, the, the, the discipline of solitude. If this does not happen in my life or your life, I'll die. But if you and I don't also equally do things for the kingdom of God, we will live a life of death. This is what Jesus models this. It's so fun. Church is so fun. He gets out of church. There's sick people at the house. He heals them. Time for a barbecue. Sun's down. Hey, the neighbors are here. What's, what are they doing here? They're all sick and demonized. Okay, it's, you know, have you met my cousin? He needs help bad. Jesus heals them all. The next day, he's like, I'm going to go rest. Here's the, let's, let's finish the story, just in case I forget to preach today. Verse 42 again. Now, when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. The crowd sought him, and he came and came to him, listen, and tried to keep him from leaving them. These guys are fired up. They've been healed, set free. They like his preaching. They like his healing. Jesus comes from a prayer time to a big crowd that has a website dedicated to his name, Capernaum.com. This is your new church, Jesus. We've got a place for you. Look at Jesus' response. And I tell you right now, this response is birthed out of a quiet time with God, knowing his true calling. If you don't know your true calling here this morning, that is your biggest problem. Don't be deceived by your potential. Your potential is not what you're supposed to be chasing. We all have lots of potential, don't we? Potential. Be careful of potential. Potential can get you off track from your purpose. You think Jesus had good potential to be a good pastor there in Capernaum? Great poten potential, but that wasn't his purpose. 
And when you know your purpose and opportunities arise that will cater to your potential, you can discern the two. Let me use the illustration of a batter or a pitcher. The manager of a baseball team won't ever approach the pitcher and say, you know what, I know you're our pitcher and you're doing really good. I want to see you improve, though, in your batting. So we're going to spend the next two years improving your batting because you've got great potential. A manager won't do that. A manager will say, you know what, we're going to get you a pinch hitter. We're going to take care of you. You just pitch the ball. You just get good at this. Listen, look at what Jesus says. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, the synagogues of Galilee are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And they are small and small and small. Literally, what it says here is, I must preach the kingdom of God in the podunk towns, the unwalled cities. Capernaum was kind of the hot spot. They had a Walmart and a Starbucks. <sighs> had a McDonald's drive through Had some cool stuff happening. And Jesus said, you know what? That's really tempting. But I've got to take this message I'm sent to preach. So I'm just going to pray and ask God to give us great divine wisdom for your purpose today so you would know if you're a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa or an aunt or an uncle or a man or a woman or single or married or a minister, a number one type or a number two type or a number three type. You know who you are, that you would do that well. And you would not let anything distract you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray your mercy upon us now as we've studied your word, we've read it, we're going to get into it, make some application. I pray for help in doing so in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to live our lives on purpose, yours, not ours. Ours is so weird and so messed up. Your purpose, though, you created us. You have a great purpose, just like at the Chrysler factory. There are parts being crafted right now with purpose. It's not arbitrary. Those parts are supposed to do things and go places and be there. And if they are, that car works great. So too, Lord, our lives are made on purpose. So I pray for us, Lord, that we would find that purpose or at least appreciate it this morning. Oh, Jesus, and that you would use our lives to your glory, by your power, and for the good of others in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, I really want to help you bridge the gap between the spiritual and unspiritual. There's no such thing. And as much as I love church, most of my time's not spent here. Most of my time is spent either in the town or if you're going to be real honest, most of our time is spent at home. One of the hardest places to be spiritual and to be on fire and to be engaged in the things of life. And I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't just show the synagogues as this amazing place and home is this big mess. As a matter of fact, the Bible shows the synagogues, church and homes as both being messy. This is great news. How many of you guys have had an uh, experience of Christianity or religion where there's robes involved and it's super clean and stoic and stand up and, you know, Epicurean and everything's, you know, it's like, whoa, no room for mess here. What's going on? And then you get out into the world, you're like, there is no relevance to what I just received or learned in the real world. I'm all jacked up over here. And in church, I can't even understand Latin, you know, or whatever the case is. Listen, read the Bible. The Bible records mess everywhere it goes. Mess. How many of you guys have had a messy life so far? Just kind of, okay. How about a messy week? It's kind of been all messed up. How about a messy day? You know, like, it's not even 10. It's 10 now. It's okay. And it, it, there's messes in all of our lives. And here's the thing I want you to understand. God works in the church still, just like we saw in verses 36 and 37. Man, cool stuff's happening. Fired up. God is working in the church, whether there's robes involved or not. He's working in the church. Okay, 
but he's also working at home. He's also working at Starbucks. He's also working on the plane. He's also working in the backyard, mowing your lawn, picking up dog stuff. He's, all, he's in all of it. If you would have, just like you breathe, the understanding, this is all spiritual. This all counts. I remember one time I was indeed actually mowing the lawn at the Ashland Christian Fellowship, and I was kind of bummed. I wanted to go out and evangelize, and I was a pastor, and I had to spend two days mowing, blowing, and growing, and I shared this story recently. And as I was bitter just mowing the lawn, God spoke to me and said, this counts, bro. What do you think? I, you think I'm not using this in your life? This is spiritual too. And I just began to turn my frown upside down. Mow that Lord, or mow that Lord. Mow that lawn is under the Lord. He knows, he knows. Here's the deal. What's, what's the answer to this dilemma? The answer is just to take Jesus home with you, to not leave him at church or at camp. Look at verse 38 again. I got to hustle here. I got some things I want to talk about. It says, now he arose from the synagogue. Yeah, just stop right there and just think about it. The, the, the time ended. The service will always end. That time of worship will always end. The summer camp experience for you young life campers or summer campers, when you go there to commit and you're on the bus coming home, you're like, oh man, camp was so legit and you're gonna go home now. It always ends, whether it's a worship service or a retreat or a conference. And what you learn at church and what you gain at those retreats and what you, what you receive in that time in the morning is kind of like going to boot camp, if you would, military. You go to boot camp, they train you, they, they test you, they teach you, and you spent months and years in training. What for? To go to combat, to go win, to go protect something. Your time in the morning, if you're like me, you have to get up at 2 a.m. to get up before your kids. Not really, but you have to get up early and then you're in the Bible and you're reading and all of a sudden you hear those footsteps coming down, those little leeches coming down the stairs. You know, just, they need so much. Oh, here they come. If you're not careful, you'll misunderstand that time in the word, that time in, in service is in order to serve, in order to give. The whole idea is that you and I are to be light in a dark world. Do you know that? The whole idea is that it's better to give than to receive. I just read to you Jesus' daily calendar. Did you, did you catch this? It's a busy day. And I do not want you to miss this. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, our God, our leader, came to serve, not be served. He came to give, not receive. It's crazy town. Know this to be true about Christianity. It is a serving religion, if you would. We are to be serving agents, giving, because that's what our master did. There are certain cults. There are certain religions. There are certain organizations, that the leader, the supreme leader, would say, serve me, okay? Give me all you have. Cults are run this way and false religions, all about what you can give to the one. Our one came and did it first, okay? Jesus says, I'm just, just I'll show you. I'm gonna do it first. I'm not gonna ask you to ever do anything that I wouldn't do also. And Jesus gives himself as a servant to many Okay, well, real life begins after boot camp. Real life begins after church time. Real life begins after your morning devotionals. How are you going to respond when your kids come down the stairs or when you're out of your devotional time or here and somebody cuts in front of you? Mother's Day traffic. Whatever, you know. Jesus gets up and he goes home, and God's working at that house too. And. Most of the scenes actually in the Gospels aren't in churches. Just if you're not a religious person yet, if you're trying to figure this out and just kind of whatever the case is, most of the Gospels doesn't happen in the temple or the synagogues. I, I like that. Read it. Most of the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, most of it is not in church, okay? It's in the fields. It's in the streets. It's with the, the crazies. 
It's in the ministry. Now, there is tons of church, tons of temple, tons of prayer time, okay? But this is all inclusive. That's why I love South Beach Church. That's why I love Newport. That's why I love being here, because we get to do this on Sundays and then go coach soccer and go work at Fred Meyer's and go do what we do in Jesus' name. Well, the key, the real deal is to take Jesus with you in your messy life. Bring him home, bring him to work, bring him to school, bring him in your relationships. And as the temperatures rise up, verse 38 says he goes to Peter's house and he walks in there and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. I would just encourage you, take Jesus everywhere you go. Just talk to him throughout the day. Maybe even discipline yourself a little bit. Maybe every hour on the hour. Well, top of the hour. I should just check in. Just worship him just a little bit. Just begin to have that conversation. It would be like meeting somebody brand new for the first time. Kind of awkward. Like, oh, you know, a couple, couple, couple words here and there. And let's say you work together and pretty soon you, you're in the same place together. And you just begin this relationship. And you and Jesus, I love talking with Jesus. Just stopping, hitting pause on my, my thing in my car. You got a thing in your car? Hit pause. Just turn it off. Oh, Jesus. I just feel better right away. Well, take Jesus home. Look at verse 38 again. It says, now he rose from the synagogue, church is over, and he entered Simon Peter's house, and his wife's mother was sick with the high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. I like this. They reach out to Jesus. They, they need help. They know. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. Now, let me just give you uh, four thoughts from these two verses before we move on. Number one, Jesus was part of a life group. He left church and went to somebody's house, okay? Part of a life group. As a matter of fact, historically, just so you know, this isn't all made up. You can go to Israel today, and Peter's house has been discovered. It's been unearthed. So crazy is it that when they found it, they saw that the walls had been broke out, the stone walls, and additions had been added on for the first church because this was a hub. People would meet there. People would live there. Jesus lived there, and this is where this life church that now we know as the church began in a life church, in a, in a home group. In a life group. And you can go there today. They discovered it there in Capernaum right next to this synagogue. It's right in the same area. They unearthed it all. It's all there. It's geographically been proven. And they actually, so funny, they actually built a, ch they built a church. Funny, if you go there with us next year. They built a church over his house that spans the, the length of it. So now you can go over and look down through this glass wall and kind of look at his house without messing up all the architecture that still remains 2,000 years later. Be that as it may, number one, I want you to consider this. Jesus himself was part of a life group. Did you know that the church began in a life group through relationships? And the church is going to continue to grow and to be strong through relationships. That's how it's going to be. I love big churches. I love lots of people. It's super fun. But really, really, the really, the real strength of Christianity is relationships. One-on-one, two-on-two, four-on-four, eight-on-eight, just all of us getting together. That's the real deal. Fun to be here, Fast and Furious 9, 11, and 6. And we get crazy. Easter Sunday, 8, 10, 12, and 6. Thousands and thousands of people. <laughs> Real growth happens in relationships, okay? So pursue that. You got a life group? Good job. Stay there. You don't have a life group yet? Start one, okay? Talk to Pastor Matt or Pastor Marty. We're starting our life groups up, going to launch new ones. If you're not part of a life group yet, you've fallen out of one, you stopped going to yours, whatever the case is, I'm telling you what, start it again. If you don't want to do a life group or go to one, have some friends that you're doing life with, okay? I won't hold you accountable. Just have friends that you're doing life with. Well, second thought is Peter, just this is coincidental, Peter himself had a wife, okay? There are certain traditions out there that say that Peter did not have a wife, much like the, the papacy, the, pop, the popes of today. You can't have a wife if you want to be. It's right here in the Bible. 
Peter had a wife for sure, um, and so just take that into account. He loved his wife. His wife was a servant, and so was his mother-in-law, and um, just note that in your thinking. Number three, here's a thought that you can ponder the rest of your life. Just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean you won't have trials and tests. Here's Peter hosting a life group with Jesus Christ. Kind of a big deal, you know? <laughs> How's it going in your house, Peter? Everyone's sick. Demons are outside. Neighborhood's going crazy. Well, I thought you had. I thought you were doing good stuff for Jesus. How's that? Listen, just because you're a Christian, just because you're following Jesus, does not mean you're going to be kept from attack. As a matter of fact, I would say the opposite. That when you go home and when things get weird, you might want to consider. Okay, okay, okay. This is spiritual. This is a. This is an attack. Glad I brought Jesus with me. Glad I have Jesus right here. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to endure persecution. Okay, you're going to be thought of as different. You're going to be pushed out. You're going to be looked down on, both with humanity, just the way it is. Okay, there's not a lot of room for Christians these days. It's just, it's, just, it's just the way it's designed to. And then the spiritual darkness is going to be against you. I've experienced this. <sighs> Number four, last thought, just in this text right here. They sought Jesus on her behalf. This is very simple. You guys know this, but you need to do this. They got a sick person in the house. What do they do? Jesus is here. Let's have Jesus stand over her. Let's have Jesus just, what's it mean he stood over here? Well, she's on the ground. He stood over here. And I just like to look at the authority that he had over her and over the infirmity. And she got better and it fled. You, gotta, you have not because you ask not. Okay? Don't stop praying. Well, I know we're supposed to pray. I know we're supposed to intercede. I know we're supposed to labor in war and prayer. I know that. Did you know that by knowing it, you might not be doing it? It's called self-deception. Straight up. I know, I know my marriage is all messed up. I'm trying my hardest. Are you praying your hardest? Well, may, I don't know. No, you're not. My kids are all messed up, man. They're in the principal's office again. I got them in counseling. All this. Are you praying? Well, what, what do you mean am I praying? I'm, you're not. Labor in prayer. Bring your problems before the foot of the cross over and over and over. Cast your burdens on the Lord. Just worrying about your problems or even thinking about them is not the same as prayer, Okay? It'd be like wanting to go to the store and getting into a rocking chair to get there. I need to get to the store. I'm going to get myself in that rocking chair, and you just rock. That's what worry is. I think about my problems, think about my kids. Prayer's different. Okay? Prayer's like getting in a four-wheel drive SUV. You're going to get there. You know what I'm saying? Well, I see that in the text right here. Keep reading with me. Look at verse 39. He stood over her, and he rebuked the fever. I see this dominance that Jesus has over spirits and infirmities. It's the authority we saw last week. Number 40, uh, verse 40. When the sun was setting, those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. He laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And the demons also came out of many crying and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ. Again, this is a big, busy day for Jesus, and he models something for all of us Christians to serve, to work, to shine. And you know how it's going to end. He's going to go to bed and wake up early in order that he can recharge. How many of you guys just spent a couple days on your phone? I usually don't spend a lot of time on my phone throughout the day. I use it throughout the day, but sometimes I'll just have to use it all day long. And you just watch the battery power go down if you're out in the field doing stuff, and pretty soon you're at 75%, no big deal. And pretty soon you're at 50% on your phone. You're like, well, that's kind of crazy. And pretty soon you're at 38%, and you still got hours to go today. You're like, okay, this is got to start to figure this out. And pretty soon you're at 12% on your phone. And you people who do this, you know, like, ah! <sighs> Same is true with you and the Lord. Okay, we need to serve. We need to shine. We need to give. That's why you exist. But you also need to plug in. 
You can plug in throughout the day. You can recharge, but you must do what Jesus did as well as he went away to find that solitude. As a matter of fact, let me talk about solitude just for a second. We're sending uh, some guys, three guys actually, Isaiah Brooks and Noah Hines and Kevin Caseda. We're sending them to Antioch Christian Training School in August. They're raising money right now. You could help support them if you'd like. We're going to help them also. And as they go to Antioch Christian Training School, I go up there in October and I teach for one week up there. And there's about 20 students or so. And one of the disciplines that they teach these students, men and women, boys and girls, they teach them that discipline of solitude. I just go up there as a teacher and I rip through the book of Acts in five days. It's crazy. But when they're up there, I hear the teachers and leaders saying, okay, did you do your solitude today? Your three hours of silence and three hours of alone time? Teaching them this discipline, not just for the class, for the month or four they're there, but so that way they would learn the appreciation of that alone time. There's a difference between solitude and isolation. Okay, Isolation, not talking about that. Okay, Isolation will take you weird places. Solitude. Solitude is when you go away to plug in to the Lord, to plug into the Word, to plug into God, to plug into the Holy Spirit. You can do this with music. You can do it in the Bible. You can do it with journaling. You can do it in the mountains. You can do it on the ocean. You can, but you've got to do it. I don't care how you do it. And if you don't do it, you're not going to pour yourself out well. So we'll get there in just a few minutes. I need you to see this, though. Jesus here, verse 40, heals all these guys and gals, and demons are coming out. Just coincidentally, the demons are saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and they're quoting like the reality of him, and Jesus is like, shh, shut up. Now, why? Two, two reasons. Number one, timing. Jesus didn't want people following him because he was the Messiah. Or they, they knew he was the Messiah. They wanted them, him, them to follow him out of faith at this point. He wasn't revealing himself as the Messiah in this way. And the second reason he would silence these demons is because of their endorsement that was unholy. He didn't want their appreciation, their endorsement, just like a politician today would never receive the endorsement of somebody in jail. You know, Marilyn Manson or what's the other Manson guy? Chuck, Charlie, Charlie Manson, Charles Manson, you know, I, you know, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. You know, I was like, oh, don't say that out loud. You know, like, I don't want your endorsement. Anyways, Jesus quiets these guys. To me, that shows the power and the authority that is in you and I. First John 4, 4, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. You who are believers, who have the spirit of God in you, you have power over demons and darkness. Look at verse 42, though. And you've already, you already kind of thought about this. Now, when it was day, that's early, early in the morning, he departed and he went into a deserted place, and the crowd sought him, and they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. Jesus wasn't just a public superstar. You might appreciate him as the savior of the world and an amazing public figure. As a matter of fact, in this next day, he leaves and then goes and preaches. He gets in a boat, actually. There were so many people, and they needed some better acoustics, so he goes and he preaches to the masses. Next day's a big day, too. He wasn't just a public superstar, though. He was a private prayer warrior. He knew how to serve, I hope you do too, but he also knew how to plug in and how to rest. Okay, just two thoughts on this super busy day. Jesus poured himself out all the way. While these people tried to get him to stay in Capernaum, he had served them all the way. He had poured himself out. He knew his mission was to serve, and I hope you know that too. If you're living right now for yourself, you're doing it wrong. You've believed the American lie. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. Okay. <laughs> careful. Careful. You, you might do it out of notoriety or out of responsibility or I gotta just, you know, take, listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan or have a retirement or have own stuff. I, I have all that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. The goal, though, is to plug into the Lord, receive from him, 
and unplug and say, well, how can I serve? Who needs me? Where's my kids at? Here they come down the stairs. They're not leeches, they're kids. And I'm going to pour into them. You know, you find yourself, oh, I'm, I'm ready for this. I can serve them. How's my school system in the town doing? How's the town doing? How's the welfare agency? What's going on? What am, how can I pour myself out? And because God is good, he says, I want you to do that. And then I've got more juice for you. Plug in. Okay. And you keep plugging in. And Jesus models this. Two things. You've got to pour yourself out. You have to step up. That's why people are teaching Sunday school right now. They know they need to. That's why people are serving. People are going to Cambodia. People are helping in Young Life all week long. People are doing things. This church does stuff. And you need to just ask yourself, Lord, what's my purpose? What should I be doing in my family? Start at home. As a matter of fact, you saw Peter's mother-in-law rise up and begin to serve. That's, that's a sign of a saved person, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a sign of a healed person. When I first got saved and first got excited about Jesus, I showed up early, I stayed late, and I said yes to everything. That's my model for ministry. You, you want to be successful and you're pouring out? Show up early, stay late, say yes to everything. I still remember the very first time someone asked me to do something that wasn't my responsibility. My heart began to race. You mean I get to serve somebody in need? Somebody who cannot repay me? Somebody who doesn't deserve it? What an honor to serve, to call my employer at Greenleaf that day and say, I'm not coming back to work to make money, I'm gonna go work for free this afternoon. Is that okay with you? And it was okay with him. And I went and served Mary Hart and moved all her stuff. I remember the day, it was so epic. You're supposed to serve. Do not though, if you're like me, a mover, shaker, doer, crazy, do not fail to plug into the Lord. Do not fail to retreat. You, you actually will have a very different, there's two different types of people. There's the movers and the doers and the contemplative and the thinkers, okay? Figure out who you are and what you need to do better. If you're a contemplative thinker type, you're just kind of in your head and writing blogs and journals and wondering what that would be like, and you know, and you know, you know, and days and weeks go by, and you stop it. Do something, okay? You need to get over that. But if you're on the other side where you are burning the candle at both ends, and you're just going, and you're, you, you know enough to get you by, and you're the kind of... <laughs> One time I left Philomath. And as soon as we passed the last exit, as soon as we passed the, the tavern there, when it hit Highway 20, if you would, the light came on, the gaslight. I looked at the gaslight, looked at my wife, I said, think we can make it? <laughs> to Newport! I mean, there's gas right there, bro, just turn around. Nah, <laughs> you know, that's my mentality. Let's just keep going. We, got, we can do it. Let's add a fourth service. Let's get crazy. And... Careful, people. Careful. And I got some stories that I'll have to tell at the next services because you guys ran out of time. Okay, there's ditches for either side. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Number one, you got to watch out for, for the people that will get in your way, that'll, that'll take you down. Look at verse 43, or should I say verse 42. The crowd sought him. Yeah, there's always going to be somebody to distract you. It might even be a good friend, a best friend, a, a teammate, somebody just to get you to keep going without retreating careful. Even people you appreciate and love, there's going to be also usurpers in your life that will just mess with you and they won't allow you to rest and won't allow you to get that, that real authentic charge. Careful. Jesus had that. Number two, if you don't block out time to do one of the, I don't care what team you're on. You're a contemplative thinker. You don't do anything or you work too hard and you don't rest at all. You got to block out time to do whatever you're not doing. Okay. If you're, I, I I've met people that serve, and when asking them, why do you serve? They say, because if I didn't serve, I wouldn't do anything. 
I know my personality. If I didn't sign up for this, this is out of my comfort zone. I don't like this. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it because if I don't do this, I'll do nothing. Whoa, what's that like? You know? And they know, they block out time to either serve, join something, do something. Or if you're like me, you have to block out time. And by the way, pray for me. I don't do this well. I need this. This is If I'm going to stay healthy and successful in my intimacy with Jesus, my intimacy with my family, my intimacy with the community, it's going to be starting here. I just love that I'm right here looking at this. Um, and number three, just watch out for technology. You guys know this. Technology is, is all messed up, okay? Everyone knows it. Did you know that even the people that are addicted to technology know it? Everybody knows it, but no one knows what to do about it. And when you're on technology, when you're on your phone or even listening to a sermon, there's a chance, just examine yourself, there's a chance you're probably not being overly spiritual at that moment. You're just being anti-spiritual. Just, that's between you and you. Be careful. If you want to serve, you're going to have to watch out for technology. If you want to retreat, you're going to have to watch out for these things. And the two motivations are that you have in either serving all the way and retreating until you're plugged in again. The two motivations are Jesus did it. We see it here, both. And if you don't, you'll regret it. Last thing I just want to talk about is that potential versus purpose. And I'm out of time, so we can't talk about it. But I'll, I'll, talk, about, I'll talk about it anyways. Each one of you have a purpose here. And the potential is to do anything. You can do anything you want, anything that somebody else tells you you can do, just like these guys and gals approached Jesus and said, hey, you, you would do great here. I just got to tell the story quick. My pastor, Mark Anderson, said, Luke, if you stay here in Ashland, this is in 2010, if you stay here, I'll retire soon, and you'll be the senior leader. Church of 800 people, no mortgage. It's a beautiful opportunity. The town of Ashland, it's, it's all here for you. It, it's, and it wasn't a, a bribe or a, a, a false advertising. It was good. It was great. And yet God knew, and God wanted something different in my life. That was a great potential. It would have been awesome. But that was not my purpose. And he told me, go find your purpose. And if this is it, we'll make it happen. If your purpose is different, though, you have something different. Find out what it is, and we'll make that happen. And it took 36 hours at the Applegate Mountaintop Retreat Center of me quieting myself, saying, Lord, is this your purpose? Is this your purpose? Lord, what is your purpose? And I quieted in tears and journal entries and listening. And the Lord revealed to me, go to the unwalled city of Newport. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it that way, but he said, go to Newport. And I'm just going to be honest with you. You all have purpose, not just potential. It's, you're going to have to quiet your heart. Lord, Lord, do you want me to join this team? You want me to start that ministry? You want me to support that Cambodia thing? You want me to do this? Man, we have so much freedom. It's so wonderful. But the Lord has his plan for your life. You can ask him, Lord, is this what you want? Learn. If you guys all leave here today, man, church was so awesome. The music was awesome. I'm going to have the worship team come up, actually, and lead us in a closing song as we take communion together right now. But here's the deal. If you leave here saying, that was awesome, now I'm back in the grind. Back at it. Uh, doing my own thing. What, listen, this life is very precious. It's very fun. Gene here is, is, is moving in a couple days, couple weeks, up to Washington area. And the Lord started a fire in him. I met Gene this last summer, went and prayed for his boat and some other boats. Started coming to church here. And the Lord's fired him up and fired his wife up and they're moving and they're, God's taking them on another purpose. And each one of us have a purpose here and it's exciting. It's the best thing that could happen to you. 
And I want you, if anything else, if you misunderstand what I said today, just fall in love with Jesus. That's who we studied this morning. Did you know that? Jesus Christ. So radical, so rich, so real. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes now as we prepare to take communion together and respond to him. Jesus, it's for your glory and in your name that we gather on this Mother's Day, this Sunday, the Lord's Day. Here, Lord, and in Jesus' name, we pray that you would be honored in our study of your word. And Lord, you would give us the power to apply it. Lord, may we not be doers only, or hearers only, but may we be doers too, Lord, in Jesus' name. Even as we come to the table of communion, we remind ourselves that we're set free, that our sins are forgiven. This is a done deal, and now the account has been flooded with grace and mercy, and you've asked us to write checks liberally and to bless people and to serve, and when we run out of dividends, to come back to the account and fill up again. The whole thing's already done. Jesus, you cried out on the cross, it is finished. And so what we do now, we do with great joy. I pray, Lord, for my thinkers, my contemplatives that are stuck in the mud. They're just, they don't know what to do. May there be no guilt or pressure on them this morning at all. In Jesus' name, that's not you. And and I pray for my doers, my movers, my shakers. Lord, I pray that you'd quiet their hearts and minds. I volunteer for that. I apologize, Lord. I'm such a maniac in my mind. I pray you would help us in Jesus' name to know our purpose, to do exactly what you would want us to do. We worship you as our supreme leader, as our God, as the servant who came to give, not take. You're you're crazy, and we just worship you as such. You're over the top, that you would serve so much, not just teaching people, that's admirable, not just healing people, that's amazing, but that you would march three years later all the way to the hill of Calgary, and you would go up on the cross on Calvary's hill and you would go to our death place for us. You did this for us, for our sins, because I'm not perfect, nor is anyone here. And you haven't asked us to be perfect. Instead, you've asked us to trust in you. So Lord, I give you my life this morning again. And if you would join me this morning, just give your life to him. Just nod your head. Just nod your head right now. Give your life to God. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Just nod your head. Say, thank you for serving me first. Help me to serve you now. I just agree with you, Jesus. I agree with who you are. I agree with what you've done. And I want to be like you. And if you need rest, just nod your head and say, that's me. Man, I'm all fired up. I'm all all bent out of shape. Teach me to rest, Lord. Or maybe if you haven't been doing anything, you just nod your head. You need to do more. You need help. You need God's perfect purpose for you to be revealed. Just nod your head and say, yeah, Lord, show me why I exist. And for all of us, Lord, may this begin in our homes. May we take Jesus to our homes. That's where the heart is. That's where it happens. Help the moms and the dads and the husbands and the wives to pour out to one another, to take Jesus and to minister and to serve and to love. Let the healing begin even now in the home. Bless the homes, I pray in Jesus' name. The singles and the marrieds, the difficult relationships, just bless. We worship you, Lord. We do all this. With belief, this isn't just a service. This is the real deal. We're tapping into heaven. And so, God, I ask you to do all these things on earth as it is in heaven. As we come to the table now, be honored, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.